I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. I am so happy that you are here and I would love for you to take a quick second and click like and hit subscribe. It is so important to help this podcast continue. And if you love what you're hearing on the podcast, you can continue to get cool stuff. All you have to do is go to beufindhappy.com and join the movement. Hello at Red Pill Babe. I'm so excited to have you on the BU Find Happy podcast today. And I know that your world is probably just super explosive right now. So much stuff going on. So thank you tremendously for taking the time out. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. I'm really excited to talk today. And yeah, I agree. There's a whole lot going on right now. (laughs) That's crazy. And so like the theme of of our conversation is going to be feminism and some of your incredibly amazing thoughts on that. Um, But in light of what's been announced, I feel like Uh, We would be remiss if we didn't start the podcast talking a little bit about how Trump's just been diagnosed with COVID or reports that he has tested positive for COVID or however he even put it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that Trump has actually proven through his presidency that he's a really healthy guy. Um, Not to say that he can't catch COVID. I just feel like uh, timing wise, uh, it's very, uh, there's just a lot going on right now. And it seems very perfectly timed. So there's been a lot of speculation uh, within the truth for movement that we may be seeing some big things happen in October, uh, uh, you know, right before the election. And that's something that's been speculated for some time now. And, you know, I think that we're probably seeing, I don't know, I don't want to get it. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I don't like setting high expectations, but it does seem like something's getting geared up to happen. And I just wonder, uh, you know, did he test positive for COVID? Is it being used as a cover up for something else to kind of get him out of the public eye for a few days? Not sure. Uh, not entirely sure, but I, I, I do think that the timing is um, is peculiar. I completely agree. And I, I feel like the, if there's one thing I've learned in 2020, it's that there is so much more than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. And so I think that... Um, you know, I've had a couple people reach out to me and say, oh, what do you think about this? And at the end of the day, um, you know, notwithstanding death, which I don't think is even on the table, uh, if he comes out and it was a false positive and he's fine, that's, that's also, that's helpful. Um, if he comes out and it, you know, has a very mild to moderate case, it's obviously going to affect the debates and stuff, but either way, he's going to be able to share his personal experience with COVID which is also helpful. So especially for, I mean, him being in the the higher risk population. So it seems, um, like you said, very peculiar, the timing of it. But at the same time, um, I'm not one to kind of jump into the fear of everything. And I've seen quite a few people start to go into full-blown panic mode. I, I feel like that's probably unnecessary. I mean, at the end of the day, the science and data are on his side. Even if, uh, you know, worst case scenario, him and the first lady did test positive, they can, they're going to be fine. You know, 98% of the people who catch this survive. Like there's not, uh, it, you know, I, I think the data is on our side when it comes to that. Um, I don't think that there's anything to freak out about. I mean, clearly we want the president to be healthy and we keep him in our prayers and, uh, you know, lift him up in, 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 with, with, with good vibrations and energy. I'm all about that. But I just, you know, uh, things, 2020 is a really weird year. And I just think that it's really, the, the timing is peculiar. And I just feel like everything uh, from the Trump, I'm a firm believer that everything that comes out of the Trump campaign is very strategic. And therefore, I believe that this might just be another chess move in the 5D chess game. No kidding. I, I completely. Every time something happens, I think, ooh, that was a smooth move. Like, and no matter how it ends up playing out, it seems to me that so much stuff has been uh, with with incredible thought and uh, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, even I, the things that may seem explosive or, uh, you know, I, I did a, a live uh, 
podcast on during the debates. And I know that there was a lot of negative feedback on both sides about how the debate had gone or whatnot. And honestly, I just, again, I, I default to the fact that I felt that even though it was a little uh, chaotic, it was, it did feel like it was to some extent strategic. You know, anybody that went into that debate uh, knowing that they were going to vote for Donald Trump uh, left that debate, finished that debate knowing that they were still going to vote for Donald Trump. I don't think anybody watched that debate and changed their mind on, you know, whether or not they were going to be voting for Donald Trump. However, you know, some of the questions, some of the, the, the I guess, the positions that he pushed uh, Biden in with some of his questions did make a Biden kind of, uh, you know, say that he wasn't in for the for the Green New Deal, that, you know, that he was for law enforcement and wasn't for defunding the police. So when you think about that, you know, I think that there are radical leftists that absolutely could have watched that debate and then been like, you know, we're at least at a minimum less encouraged to go out to the voting booth come November 3rd and vote for Joe Biden because, you know, he denounced these extreme ideas that he's kind of already co-piloted on uh, live on that debate. So I guess that I just wonder if, again, even the the points that were made were strategic because Trump didn't lose any of his base, but there is a possibility that maybe Biden lost some momentum. I was just scribbling notes as you were talking and so wholeheartedly agree. Um, so many things caught my attention. So uh, my backstory is I'm, I'm a psychotherapist and I, the whole time I was thinking, man, I get paid to watch couples like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a hard hour. <laughs> um, that's what we call it in therapy when we have couples that are super explosive or, yeah. um, and so I couldn't help but laugh. And, and a lot of it for me was, you know, taking the position of basically a moderator when working with couples, I was like, you know, regardless of what you like think politically, if you have a moderator that is le leading a series of questioning with an opinion mm -hmm. and or a negative statement, at one point he even said, he said, even your own party doesn't like blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, it, that is immediately just from the basic human standpoint, old reptilian brain, that is immediately going to throw him into a space of fight, flight or freeze on the defense. Yeah. And so it was shocking to me to watch it unfold in that way because it was so incredibly uh, just obvious th right. what the and strategy was. I don't think the second debate is going to be any better. Uh, you know, I agree with you that the moderator and how it is that that debate went, right? Um, the moderator is there to, to, to keep control, to keep order, to keep people level-headed and act as a mediator, like you just said. And that's not a, a, at all what it was that happened. He was an instigator in every capacity. And, you know, I felt like any time that Trump got some momentum, he'd cut him off. And I believe I saw somewhere there was like 70 plus interruptions to Trump and maybe something like 30 something to Biden throughout the debate. And I, I, I keep on waiting to see if I found somebody who actually tallied up the time that Wallace was speaking, because I'd like to know his his time compared to Biden's time, what it was that that looked like. Um, but well, you bring me you bring me to a good a good point here that I had scribbled down, which is uh, what's really nice about debates is you can go back and you can read that full transcript. And it clarifies so much. And one of the things that clarifies is just how much uh, Trump was interrupted, especially when asked an important question that had some meat to it. And mm -hmm. I found that to be very interesting. And if you look at the transcripts, you can see the time and all of that. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, some of my more, uh, you know, left-minded friends had called out as, oh, you know, he didn't denounce white supremacy, this and that. And I, I just cut and paste the transcript. And I says, you know, look, he says, sure, sure, I will. But it was it was talked over by Wallace. So a lot of people missed it. But a lot of people I mean, missed it. And I, and I, I think that, it, it's, but... you know, there's also the danger of lumping in that it's like, well, then other things get, you know, the idea that uh, and, and I know that he denounced the Proud Boys, but the idea that the Proud Boys would be considered a white supremacist group when it's it's filled with 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 people of color. It's filled with Latinos. It's filled with, with it. Just it doesn't you know it's contradictory and confusing. So I can also sense where there's some hesitation where it's like we need to be careful in labeling, um, you know, hate groups that are actual hate groups. When we've got Antifa running around burning down our country and we can't call that a hate group, you know, we we got to be careful about that too. For sure, and I just don't think it's really fair to ask a standing president to denounce an entire organization that it didn't even appear that he was familiar with wholeheartedly Correct. on a public forum like that. I mean, I would that would be like somebody saying, so and so just hit your brother, denounce them. 
And even though it, you know, it's my brother and I love them, I would still want to like, what did he do? Understand a little bit more (laughs) about what happened before I go publicly denounce this individual who may be my other brother, you know, (laughs) you know, that just seems so unfair, but we've seen so much of that. Um, And I did think one thing was funny when Biden said 2 million people have died and slipped up and backed up and said 200,000. And I thought I couldn't help but think the masks, the mandates, all this stuff, they, they planned, I think they planned for that virus to wipe out 2 million people and it fell short. Yeah, I think so too. I have, I have theories that I, I, I don't discuss on my page is because they're personal theories that I don't have any proof to back them up. But I, I have a theory that I feel that virus should have been a lot worse. And there was, uh, it, it was designed to not be as bad as it was. But I think that there, uh, the deep state definitely had a, an expectation that this virus was going to wipe out a lot more people. I, I think, think so what it was supposed to the way they're behaving and they're sticking with it. And, um, and th- yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm always watching the nonverbal cues of things that are happening. And that's, I feel like the most telling part of so much of this, their expressions are just such a telltale because you can't hide those, you know, you, you can, you can say a lot with rhetoric and double speak, but you cannot hide that visceral emotional response that you have when you say something. So that's been fun to watch. Um, Wow. Such a great start. Uh, I forgot to have, could you give the listeners a little backstory on how you kind of got into the truth movement and, um, you know, kind of how you came to this space that you're in today? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I'll I'll start with a little bit of a family history. I come from a long line of conservatives. I'm a first generation Americans. My parents fled communist Cuba. So my parents are hardcore conservatives and I was considered a communist in my house. I was always considered a liberal uh, because I was a liberal. (laughs) And so it was always a big extreme. It's like, if you're a Democrat, you might as well. So um, you know, growing up around that, I, uh, you know, I, I had very strong views against communism, but I also had very strong views about our country and our constitution and our Bill of Rights and always had like a false sense of, uh, I want to say safety, where I felt like, oh, you know, you guys have your traumas about communism and, and that you bring from from Cuba and that that would never happen here. That that would never happen in the States. That's just not something that would ever happen. And, you know, I, I feel like looking Somewhere around last uh, 2019, I, I, I just found a Facebook memory that let me know how hard I was campaigning for Obama in 2008. Um, and somewhere around, I want to say 2012, well, uh, I'll backpedal a little bit, around 2007, 2008, I saw Loose Change for the first time. And it's a documentary that basically exposes uh, you know, how there was government, so there at least speculates that there was some kind of government involvement in 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a big eye opener for me. That's when I took my first dose of the black pill. For those who don't know, the black pill is uh, unlike the red pill, which is like, here's all this truth and our, our combined energies and together, you know, we can we can beat the bad guy. Um, when you took the black pill, it was uh, the, the idea of no hope. We're doomed. It doesn't matter what it is that we do to try and change this. The outcome will remain the same, which is that a small group of really bad people are going to end up enslaving us and, uh, you know, getting away with with really bad things. So uh, that was my first dose of the black pill. And when I took it, I, uh, I, I, I really um, kind of just pointed it into the direction of conservatives in the Republican Party because uh, George Bush had been president at the time and there was a lot of involvement from Cheney and that. Or, anyways, point of the matter is that I... I take that dose of the black pill and then Obama comes around and I campaigned really hard for him in 2008. And then I didn't see much of a change, but you know, you do 2012 and you're like, he needs a second term in order for things to go, you know, the way that they have to go. And I campaigned for him in 2012. And then somewhere in, somewhere in 2012 was the first time that I saw a FEMA camp video. I'm not sure if you've ever seen anything like that, but it was videos that started popping up from all over the country where concentration camps were basically being built and set up. And there was, um, you know, guillotines that were being ordered in mass numbers um, and spread out into these camps and uh, plastic caskets that would hold, you know, five, six bodies at a time. And they were being ordered by the millions. And it scared me, you know. Um, yeah. I had all kind of... Uh, I, I come from I'm a second generation or a second generation truther where my dad's always been into theories a lot. So the idea of like a globalist agenda and like a new world order or whatnot isn't something that was completely 
foreign to me. I was already kind of exposed to it, but it kind of just clicked like, wow, like our, our, our government, like on both sides could potentially be in on this. And you know, that we, too- we, my, so we have a separate thing going on the, in the manufacturing world and I didn't think anything of it at the time, but in hindsight, and I actually get chills just even starting to bring it up. So I feel like that's indicative that there's indicative that there's something there, but we had seen prints, uh, for what they called monkey cages, which they very well may have been monkey cages, but clearly, uh, things that were designed to hold something in. So something could be worked on, tested on tortured on whatever. And I didn't, I didn't think about it at the time. Like I just thought, you know, they're, they're testing monkeys for cancer or something like that, whatever. And then we had another friend who shared about these uh, train cars that he was having to put shackles into. And of course your first thought is, Oh, you know, they're moving cattle or they're moving. And then, and then things start to click that, that, you know, the shackles were too low. And yeah. And, and I had, I mean, for me, this has been a super hard pill to swallow because I had such hope in humanity. (laughs) So it's been so shattered this year with so many logical, reasonable things that just can't be theory after a certain point, you know, and not coincidence anymore. Sorry to interrupt, but I know absolutely you're right on track. In fact, I'll even add on a little bit more about that. I was um, speaking, there was an actual, um, so the our government, they added an ICD-10 code. So, you know, for medical billing, um, there was an ICD-10 code that was added for executions. So there, you know, <sighs> this is actual, when people call these theories, I mean, it's definitely a conspiracy, but these are not just theories. There's black and white that can go back and can be traced and, you know, can confirm that these, they were setting something up, Right. Um, and then when you end up kind of adding that up with the theories that I had already learned about in the past, I was completely blackpilled. And, you know, um, the, what that meant is just back then it was a really scary time to be blackpilled. There wasn't open channels like there is right now where people are just openly talking about these things and discussing these ideas. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's just so many pages out there. And I, I look at the number of followers that I have and I just can't even begin to fathom what that would have been like back in 2012, where you're just in this very lonely world because Alone. you can't talk about these things with people without them mm-hmm. thinking that you've completely lost your mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's people who fall into really dark, fell into really dark spirals back then. So I, I, I've said it a hundred times before when people say, oh, well, nothing's happening. It's like, well, if you just woke up at the beginning of COVID or if you've been awake for maybe just a year, uh, then I can see how maybe it would feel that way. And it looks like things have just gotten maybe progressively worse because they have. Um, but, you know, a, a big confidence booster for me is watching how the masses wake up and watching how many people are finally seen through the deception. And that gives me hope, right? Because you don't feel the hopelessness that that I felt, you know, 10 years ago, when you first start coming across this stuff, you don't feel that anymore. I had uh, one of my friend's uh, fathers, I was talking with her this morning, and he's done a lot of a lot of in-depth research on various different things. And we were talking about just the 5D consciousness and all of that stuff. Um, and what was interesting is he was talking about how alone his journey has been as well, as far as uh, 10 years of people wanting to put him in the wacky house kind of thing. Like, just yeah. don't talk to me about that. That's so weird. Like I, you're on a different planet kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. And I talked to a lot of the trooper pages, you know, we've, we, we developed friendships and you, know, you hear some really sad stories of people that fell into some really dark spirals, feeling really alone with this stuff. So, you know, just kind of like watching the people wake up now. So in, um, you know, when Donald Trump first ran for president in 2016, I was just like done with the system. I was one of the people that just kind of like wrote Harambe into the ballot. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not. <laughs> um, I actually, I actually, I actually put, uh, I actually put, um, um, uh, oh shoot. Um, Bernie Sanders into my ballot. Cause I'm thinking like, well, screw the system. Like this guy is going to fight it. This guy's going to like, at least something different. Cause it's just an every right. direction. Right. And, um, I just had lost hope for politics in general. I'm like, we're screwed. I saw that I had already seen the FEMA camps. and like, whatever it is, it's just the outcome's going to remain the same regardless. And then in 2000, um, in early 2019, I had some friends, uh, two friends, love them to death, Ray and Jen. 
they were uh they would tell me like oh you know donald trump's this good guy like he's not a bad guy you need to look into him and i'd be like no i don't trust the system completely blackmailed i don't trust it both sides two sides of the same coin or whatnot and they started sharing information with me and i went down i remember when i first heard about pizza gate i thought well donald trump is just insane right because it's just how cruel and evil to kind of manipulate a voter a voter's opinion by bringing up this really sick, toxic stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. and planting that, that, that seed of doubt. And then I started digging. And then, the, you know, the, the, the Epstein and Pizzagate and it, it just, all of that just started, um, I guess, just linking together with all these facts that I had collected in the last 10, 15 years of being awake. And it was like, oh my God, like these bad guys from back then are attached to these bad guys from right now when it's all connected and it all starts making sense. So once um, I started, when Epstein got arrested, I started posting on my personal page and I got some a good response to some extent. And, uh, you know, I realized quickly that my personal network wasn't going to be sufficient and that I could probably do more by just kind of going anonymous and starting a page. And I started Red Pill Babe, I think either late October or early November it hasn't uh, hasn't even been a year yet. And. I mean, here we are. People have been really responsive to the content that I put out there. And a lot of it is stuff that I've been able to pick up in the last 10, 15 years of research, staying up until three in the morning, watching YouTube videos, just scaring the bejesus out of my so dangerous. Oh, my <laughs> husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> it's not. It's been, it's been, I've been doing it for years and I thought for a really long time that it's just, oh, well, I have all this useless knowledge that I can't share with anyone because if I ever did, people would think that I've completely lost my mind. And now there's a lot of value to it and not just a value, but I feel, you know, there's, there's a need to be, I feel very much that I don't have that information by chance and whatever it is that I have, I have to be able to share that and give to other people and give them whatever kind of, I don't know if it's a warning or information, whatever it may be. I just definitely feel like a sense where of responsibility, where I got to share what I have access to. And and that, and you are so inspiring. I have, um, (laughs) shut down my Instagram like no less than four times this year because I just emotionally was not ready for everything when I started kind of sharing some of this stuff. And in hindsight, I probably could have started an anonymous page and done it that way. But, you know, here I've been, I've I've had this metaphysical, you know, spiritual be yourself and find happiness podcast. And I turn it into this, but why question everything podcast (laughs) and start sharing on my social media. And it's so funny. People like, bye. I'm following. I'm like, you don't have to announce like, you know? <laughs> I, get it. It's, I, I get it all the time. And you know, people because it's we can, I'd, I'd rather have real happiness and fake happiness, right? And if, if, our, if our happiness is constructed off um, a web of lies, then where does that where does that really leave us, right? There's still like complete control over us. And we may think we're happy one moment, and then all they have to do is change the narrative, create some riots, whatever it may be, and put us all into a negative space, right? So I actually feel that one of the one of the most hopeful things that people can do is kind of go through the grieving process of finding out the truth, because it is a grieving process of finding out the truth and letting that old world die so that, you know, you, you, you could start fresh and, and be your truest self in, in this new this new world, this new 5D world that we're stepping into. And and so true. And the cognitive dissonance is so strong. And even I, there was something with uh, with Harry the other day uh, and Melania, I think it might have even been you that posted it. Um, where he's in a meeting with her and then he clearly tucks his fingers in his jacket with the devil horns. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, oh no, I'm hurting. I'm like feeling this physical pain right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, even I think for, I I think for people who are in the process, there's still these constant like setbacks, like this constant, like, no, 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 not that one, not that one, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, one of the big questions I had on here was, um, I love that you tag your post with the importance of freedom is perspective. Um, and so how do you turn off what other people say? And do? like, I had a moment a couple days ago where I had like 10 unfollows in three days because of some stuff I shared, uh, real blatantly about the forest fires been happening way before Trump in California mm-hmm. and, um, COVID numbers and destroying the mental health of many, many, you know, millions of people over this thing. And, I mean, just so many unfollows and it's people I've known for years and they, they don't just leave, they leave with like, 
how racist of you, what a bigot you are, like just a million different random things that I've never been called in my life, um, especially by people who know me, just like random things, just just by supporting something, mm-hmm. saying something about Trump, you you become that. How How do you handle that? How do you handle those? So I think that it's, um, I have two worlds that I live in, right? I have like my, uh, my network of friends that I know that are, you know, either on, on Instagram or I can find them on Facebook. And then, you know, that's, with that, it's, there's always a bigger loss there, right? Um, I've, I'm not scared to speak my mind. So unfortunately, I've had to deal with the pain of losing people, which a lot of people, when they start speaking the truth, will feel that. You'll lose people who you love. You'll lose family members. People will turn their back on you. Um, but, you know, just kind of stress the importance of uh, 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 of still standing up for something, right? That's so important. When it comes to my page, you know, I, I try, one of the angles that I always try and take with my page is that it, I, I try and imagine that somebody's finding my page for the first time with every post. So I never assume that people know that this stuff is real. I never assume that people have done their research when it comes to this, when it is that I'm posting. Um, I post really, uh, you know, some of my stuff is out there and people don't always want to hear it. And I, I, I don't hold back. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about topics that would have otherwise been considered taboo. You know, I'm going to speak about the fact that a lot of a, a lot of religions have been hijacked and that there's there's evil in a lot of them. And people need to be aware of that. Right. Because if you don't identify the evil from within, then you can't heal it. At least that's my theory. So, um, you know, I wish that I could tell you that there was some kind of something that I did to deal with the fact. But the truth is that just kind of based off my really fiery personality, I don't care. <laughs> uh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. I love it doesn't, that. It doesn't affect me. I tell everyone, listen, uh, sometimes they'll be like, oh, you know, you, if, if people are asking questions, you know, you don't have to be so abrupt about it. Or like, you know, you can try and ease into it a little more. And it's like, well... I don't, the building's on fire right now. If you're asking me to be polite while I'm pushing you out of the way so you don't die, then so be it. I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be rude. I'll, I'll be the rude person then. I'm okay with that. Um, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate. Sometimes if people announce that they're going to unfollow, I might comment like, oh, I'm going to unfollow. I didn't realize this was a Trump page. It's like, well, it's unfortunate that you're going to unfollow my page that you found interesting with all these other topics simply because I'm a Trump supporter. Right. You know, and I'll comment right. something like that just to kind of get their gears I know there's like a lot of pages that you know if somebody says something negative they'll block them I don't block anybody um for number one because I feel like it only makes trolls more aggressive when they get blocked um but number two because it everyone starts off being a denier and it's not until you're exposed to these things on a regular basis and and, and you're doing active research that you end up changing your mind so sometimes I've had you know really hard trolls that would troll me under every single post you know, with time, a month, two months later, start commenting really positive things on my post. So I've seen that. I've seen that so many times. Um, And it's interesting because they wouldn't be there in the first place if they didn't have some element that was guiding them to that. You know what I mean? There's something there. Yeah. Something hiding your curiosity or something piqued your spirit, something, something triggered you for you to hit that follow button and say, you know, and stay with me and find out what else it was that I had to say. And everyone doesn't have to agree with everything that's on my page, but it's why I do put that post at the end of everything. This is my perspective. I'm going to look at the facts that are available. I'm going to, uh, you know, evaluate them and I'm going to come up with my perspective, with my opinion. You might have access to the same exact facts that I did and come up with a completely different opinion. And that's okay. Um, but, you know, that, that has to be, this is what, you don't know what information I've had access to in the last 10 to 15 years that allows me to feel and think the way that I do. So I'm, I'm big on perspective and, you know, I'm not, my page is, uh, is I always say it's, it's my truth. This is what I've discovered on my page. I'm just here to kind of show you guys what it is that I've learned on this journey that I've been on for the last 15 years. And there's such confidence in that. There's such confidence in showing up in the way where you're saying, this is my truth, therefore it cannot be attacked. It's so beautiful when you can, when you can show up in that way because it, it is your inner self just in light coming out. You know, I think one of the biggest arguments that that comes up in is when people try, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in salvation through, through, through the sun. And, you know, I, I know that people have really strong opinions about that and that's okay. So sometimes somebody will come on my page and they'll be like, Oh, you know, how can you believe in uh, How can you believe in, you know, quote unquote sky daddy or whatever it is. 
And it's like, I, I don't feel the need to argue my faith with people. I've, 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 my faith is strong through divinity. I've felt divinity. And once you've experienced that, you don't need anything theological to be able to explain to you what your faith does. I know what I've felt. And therefore, I don't argue my faith with anyone. Um, you know, I, all I can do is hope that somebody that, that people get to experience what I experienced, and that therefore any doubts that they can have about what they believe in also go away. But that's why I don't argue these points. These are my perspective. You can't change the things that you've experienced as a human being. And those are really difficult. That's not something you can put into a meme or a slide on Instagram. Those are spiritual vibrational experiences that you can't, you know, every, it's going to be individual. uh, It's going to be special to each individual. Absolutely. And I think that what is so cool about that too, is that, is that the spiritual piece as a whole, I think that our guides are leading us in our ways as individuals. And um, one of the things that I even know to be true, what you said about um, your experience is that, you know, I've cut certain things out of my diet. People will ask, Oh, how do you not eat that? Well, because when I don't eat that, I feel incredibly better. So I don't have to convince myself on the daily not to eat that because by not eating that, I feel it, you know what I mean? It's so much easier when you just Correct. know that to be your truth. Yeah. One of the things that you talked about, well, you touched on it in a way that I kind of took it as, um, you know, indoctrination. And um, I feel like probably a lot of people are showing up completely uh, like with these like blindfolds because they were brought, they were taught that they were brought up in this kind of regulated, controlled little bubble. Um And you've talked a lot about how different things about femininity, about how the nuclear family is being attacked. And one of the posts that you shared that I really loved was about the energy between a man and a woman sexually. Could you elaborate a little bit on that post? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that it's about the sacred energy that's exchanged during. I mean, we were designed to. Uh, it's, we weren't designed to just, I mean, yes, there's pleasure in, 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 in our sexual relations, but the pleasure is supposed to be there when it's tied in through a spiritual connection as well. Right. And I think that part of what, uh, one way, here's the thing. I feel like we're consistently getting attacked. We've been attacked for thousands of years to change our natural nature, to make things that are not okay seem okay, to desensitize us to things that are not good for us, that don't feed our souls, that don't feed our spirits. And I think that the over-sexualization of of women has been one of has been one of the greatest damages that that has occurred, right? Along with the demasculating of men. And uh there's more, you know, I, I, I don't, we live in really promiscuous times, whether you're turning on the TV, whether you're on a dating app, whether you're on social media, everything is over-sexualized and it's all about conquest and, and how, you know, if, if, if somebody's going to be good and bad or wh- whatever it may be, and it really completely disconnects the spiritual connection, the exchange of energies and vibrations that should be there between man and woman, right? It's sacred. And uh, I think that that's taken for granted. You you collect, you, there's, there's, there is, whenever you exchange that energy with somebody, there is, that energy remains with you. You don't get rid of that. Like that's, there's almost like a residue that's left with you with every sexual partner that you have. And there's a piece of you that you give away with every sexual partner that you have. And, you know, I, I think that that's by design, they, they, meaning, you know, the, these bad people, um, push this message that we should be exchanging our, our souls and our energies with just random people so that they can rob us of pieces of ourselves on a, and, and we're not complete. Um, so I'm, I'm very big on there, there should be some kind of energy. It should be with somebody that, you know, somebody that you're connecting with, not just because they look great and you met them at a club and, you know, you guys are, you guys hit it off. Um, it has to be about a spiritual connection or vibrational. And I think that that's something that also 
um, it heightens us, it feeds our souls. And it's, it's, it can even, I mean, when we're talking about like tantric sex, when, when, when you're with someone and you're connected on, on levels outside of the physical, these are things that can even unlock your third eye. So there, there's a lot of power in that exchange of energies between man and woman. And I don't think that, you know, I think that we've been desensitized as a society to look at it as something that can just be casual. And it really isn't. It's destroying us. And just, and just as you're talking, I, I mean, my mind is just spinning with different thoughts um, on this topic because I've never quite heard it put this way. I feel like the way that the church presents it is that you're going to hell. Uh, purgatory if you, uh, you know, have sex before marriage and things like that. And it's a shame that it's not brought to our youth in the way you just described it, that the energetic transfer. And that just shows how, uh, what low vibrational energy we're, uh, as, as a general populace, we're operating on, right? That we have to dumb it down to something so, uh, you know, full of negativity rather than be able to talk about our energy and our, our collective minds and all of that. I wish, and, and maybe that's the direction we're going, right? Maybe we're on the precipice of all of that. Um, but I've never heard it quite talked about. One of the things like that, and one of the things you said that really stuck with me is how men are completely being demasculinized. And that, and that's devastating to me. I, I'm a mom to a boy and, um, I obviously have a husband and, you know, I, I don't want to see any of the men in my life be made to feel less than, or to feel like they can't show up in their masculine ways like that that's not even attractive to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not attractive to most women. Right. But I, I think that, okay. So what they've done is that they're programming both sides of the war at the same time. Um, I, you know, by telling fem, I, I, and this goes back to like my parents always teaching me like communism is the root of all evil. Globalism is the root of all evil. Um, when you, one way that there is the communist attack a country is by attacking the nuclear family. And when you look at feminism, and it started in feminism, while I do believe in equal rights for women, I'm all about that. Um, I'm also very big on gender roles. I think that when, when you dilute gender roles, you rob individuals of their, uh, uh, each individual of their individual, of what it is that we're granted by God, right? In our femininity, in our masculinity. And when you try and make it about a contest or a competition between both sexes, you rob the individual sex of the things that make them special, right? So, for example, um, you know, just kind of, um, you, you rob them of what it is that's special. So when we're talking about masculinity, you're making women, um, we're not just talking about the right to vote. We're not just talking about, uh, you know, I, I want uh, equal rights. That's not what we're talking about anymore. Now what we're talking about is completely switching out gender roles, right? Where you've got individuals that I'm so sorry about that sound. I don't know how to shut it down. <laughs> messages. Um, no, completely. And, and I was just thinking as you were talking how I got into a social media war about a year ago on a big yogi that um, I used to follow. I don't any longer, um, but a big yogi, major, major well-known yogi. And she went on this, uh, the future hashtag, the future is female oh. kick. Oh. And I'm like, no, I, I can't get on no, board with that. I cannot. It's this third wave feminism is toxic. It destroys men. It tells them that they, that, that just the term alone, toxic masculinity masculinity is not toxic. It's necessary. We need it as a part of a society. I'm, I am my most feminine when I am around the most masculine. Uh, I like want to say that again. She just said, I am the most feminine when I am around the most masculine. And that is absolutely true. And you know, what is crazy is that, I mean, whether, whether you agree or not, women fight, we have, we have, uh, maternal nature we have all of these incredible gifts and men have strength and all Absolutely. of these other incredible gifts and we've got our, our our nurturing spirits and we're not there we've we've become so programmed to 
challenge one another and to create competition between one another and to equalize it where it's like anything you can do, I can do it too. And that's not, that's not how we were created. We were created to complement one another. And where one lacks, the other one picks picks up, right? And I, I think that one way of really, weaken, and it goes, it just goes right back to who people wanting power. One way that you weaken the fiber of just society is by just changing that role, attacking the nuclear family. And we're not just talking about psychologically, right? So we can talk about, you know, what one thing, a big movement that I'm standing behind right now is the no fat movement, um, which, you know, some of my friends started and I'm just so proud of them, which is that they're, you know, they're a group of men that have, they've realized that, you know, pornography is a complete attack on the male psyche. And that it's being used to attack the nuclear family. And so they've started this movement where they're done. They've given up porn completely for several different reasons. I, I strongly suggest that people look into that. Um, and, and, and just kind of the sacredness of like, even like through masturbation, like things that could, how much of yourself, it, how we're being programmed to give up these uh, such powerful elements of ourselves on, on trash to just completely throw it out. And, um, the, you know, I, the psychological warfare of it is unbelievable. I mean, and even just the addiction, the addictive nature of it, you know, and uh -huh. different things like that. I mean, there are so, there are so many things that become apparent when you kind of stop, start looking into these things and stop, um, for a moment to really just question the narrative. And I think so many people, it's become so normalized. And I think a lot of that is through Netflix and our movies. And I mean, what is it? Pregnant at 16 on MTV yeah. and, uh, with, uh, what's your name? Cardi B and that whack. Are you kidding me? I mean, that is just, it's, it, it, it's just mind blowing to it's me. Horrible. That, it, it, and it's robbed women of femininity altogether. I mean, that's not, there's no class in that. There's no, it's just completely degrading yourself and, and calling it empowerment which is the same thing that they've done with with abortion. Um, you know, I, I was a very hardcore pro-choicer. And I believe that each individual, and that's more because just being a constitutionalist of sorts, where I'm like, no, you know, every person should have their right to decide what it is that they want to do with their body until, you know, you realize that it's like, all right, well, as a society, we're going to have to draw the line somewhere because it's being glamorized. You've got celebrities accepting awards and saying, I'm only getting this award and I can only stand here with you tonight because I killed my child. And that's, you know, we've, we've, we've got to go back. We've got to go back to some kind of essence. We can't just call, you know, one of the greatest things that our bodies do as women is to create life and to have people getting abortions as a form of birth control. That's not, that's not good for us as a society. It's not just on the individual. It's just where it is that we're ending up with as a collective, right? Um, when you've got, you know, we're going to talk about the attack on masculinity. Let's talk about all of it. Let's talk about what they spray in the air, what they put in our foods that lowers the testosterone levels in men, that that, that creates, uh, it, it feminizes men. So even it's not just psychological, we're talking about physical, the physical attacks that are also taking place to demasculate men. And then, you know, th there's really absurd things that happen. Like, for example, I know that uh, there's a thing called, um, I, I don't even know what it's called right now, but it's basically in the New York subways, they try to push a movement where it's like, oh, of course, men sit with their legs um, open. So they take up more space in the subway than women do and how that's a form of toxic masculinity. <laughs> like, well, no, that's wow. just defying biology. Of course they need more space. <laughs> oh, wow. It's funny how that logic, like, Anybody who says anything that's like full of logic and reason is preposterous these days. Yeah. Like, how dare you make okay. such a logical statement? I recently <laughs> listened to Joe Rogan podcast with Douglas Murray, and it was like unbelievable. I mean, it's so true. You know, like you could say the most simplest thing, and people are going to jump you for it. And, and and it's sad because it's how it's how part of the indoctrination has happened. And when you really step back and look at it, it's it's so widespread and it's so incredible. And on the flip side of that it's so neat to see so many who are questioning it now and are starting to really have these realizations. Um, you know, the other thing that is crazy to me is that feminist, the modern way, the modern feminists seem to take the stance of victimhood, right. Against patriarchy. They're doing it to us. And it's like you said, no, we're equally doing it to ourselves. 
Absolutely. when <laughs> and, that, and that's what blows me away it's like can somebody have some responsibility to something like <laughs> I got this um a, a, one of the one of the things that I just I've been talking about this for years is there is this um video vixen and she dated Kanye West for a while called Amber Rose and Amber Rose became the sp the spokesperson for this thing called the Amber Rose slut walk and she, you know, there's all sorts of fancy wording behind it about owning your sexuality and, you know, empowerment. And it's, it's just completely diluted from what it actually is, which is self-degradation. Like, what are we doing? How are we attending uh, something called a slut walk and finding power in that? How are you finding power by having casual sex with random men on one night stands. How, wow. how are we finding power by, you know, again, using abortions as a primary source of birth control? Where is the power in any of that? And the fact that this is the narrative that's being pushed on our, on, on our, on our daughters, on our children, on our, on our young women. Um, it, it's all in an effort to completely perverse, uh, completely kill a generation by completely degrading them. It's why we have a song like Cardi B's WAP at number one in so many different countries simultaneously, knowing so that this was, it's, it's wrong on every level. It's wrong on every level. It's not, it's not just vulgar. It's just, it's, there's nothing, nothing about it speaks power to, again, to women, to femininity, to the things that make us unique, to the things that make us special. There's, there's, it's, it's considered when, when it's, again, when you try to speak common sense to people these days, it's like, they look at you like you're weird. It's like, if you were to say something like, no, I don't have, I'm not promiscuous. I don't believe in casual sex. I'd rather you're looked at as an oddball in today's society. And we Absolutely. really need to bring back those those values and start, you know, and it goes both ways. If men are con consistently being bombarded with images of over-sexualized women and watching porn, then they they won't know how to appreciate a woman that's, you know, I, I guess traveling through this world at a higher vibrational level that doesn't see herself like that. They might not find that attractive because they're living in this perverse kind of fantasy world that's been created for them. It's not even what's natural to us. These things are not natural. Porn is designed to desensitize you or, you know, you, you can go in at the beginning and just find just regular people just doing it. And that, that'll turn you on to some extent. And then before you know it, you've got people researching some really crazy stuff. So, and, and, and like you said, and then it makes the, the men who are truly trying, right. That are, that are married and love their wives and love their family systems it makes them feel like I'm not doing it right because I see all these guys and they're getting laid every day and they're, you know, the women are doing these things and this and that. And then they start to question, I think probably, and I don't know, cause I'm not a man, but I would presume I know as a female, I question things when I see it, like, Oh, am I supposed to be doing that? You know, right. I'm not supposed to look like that. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, obviously now with my old wisdom, not, not so much, but, um, for certain for our youth, absolutely. absolutely. 100, I'm sure. I mean, on average, they say that children will get access to their first, um, will, will start watching pornography at the age of 12. That is the most disgusting, like, statistic I've heard in a I long mean, time. It's, it's easily terrifying. My it's, son is it's, nine. It's out there. It's out there, right? It's not like it was <sighs> before where you went to, like, a peep show or maybe, you know, you've got a magazine. It's like, it's just out there. All they have to do is go to the internet. The average age for kids uh, to start looking into porn is about 12, about 12. So, so I saw, I saw a, a a thing on a bathroom and it said, um, women's only. And then underneath it, it said, yes, pick a side. And I, I thought, you know, that is the world that we've come down to. <laughs> like really, I mean, and I'm all for just having a bathroom that everybody can use, but I get, and if there's more than one stall, I get the issues there. But, um, I thought that, I thought that was such, that's such a crazy thing that we are in a world and granted, I know that there are chromosomal people are born with chromosomal defects where they have parts from both and, and right. what, and, and those are certainly medical conditions that are, uh, I mean, they we make can up really the minority, go deep on though. that, but yeah, it's, but it's they're a minority. And, and I yeah. think that that's something that people want to base their arguments on, on, on these rare circumstances, as opposed to what makes up the majority. This is an argument I have all the time with pro-choice versus pro-life people, which I, I, I'm not, you know, I, again, I'm pro-life because I feel like somebody has to be able to stand up for the kids. And I feel like as a society, we've really messed that one up. And, you know, but one of the biggest arguments is like, well, what do you think about like rape victims or like incest victims? It's like, yeah, I think that those are 
one-off chance situations that don't make up the majority and you want to create rules that focus solely on you know this very minuscule group of people which is the same thing with you know individuals that are transgender it's it's fine i want you to have your safe space too but i don't feel like for example not that it it's not a big deal but it starts with something small and grows into something bigger but i don't think that always maxi pads needs to become gender neutral like why doesn't right. somebody just come up with a with, with a brand right. of pads that are specifically made up and make transgender people feel comfortable i'm all for that but i don't right. think i don't feel like i need to dilute my femininity right to right. make somebody who's a minority, right, it's a, a true minority, feel more comfortable about their existence when in reality, they're not going to feel any more comfortable in their existence because tra- suicide rates amongst transgender individuals is the highest in, than any other group. That's post-op, pre-op, it doesn't matter. So there's always going to be a confusion. And I think that as a society, we're catering to this idea where it's like, no, this isn't normal. We shouldn't have transgender boys playing girl sports. And I wonder how many people are are doing that. And I say doing this, but I mean, are exploring this out of some desire to fit in because our society is so disconnected, you know, discontent, disconnected, all the dis words that they feel like they need to gravitate towards something and this they're feeling kind of accepted. So they run with it. Yeah. And I think that I have this argument often where on my page, right? Like sometimes I'll post on the, you know, the, the, the pedophilic narrative that's kind of pushed on children from the time that they are born. It's just whether it's in their toys, whether it's in cartoons, there's just a lot of really creepy things that I see out there that are just very blatant to adults that people love to write off as, oh, that's just you and your mind. But a child would never notice that. Yeah, that's the point. The child mm-hmm. isn't supposed to notice that, but it's supposed to desensitize them to uh-huh. it, right? Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it just came out that they're going to have a Disney movie that's going to have a main character that's that's a gay, that's an openly gay character. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I have a lot of gay friends. I live in South Florida. I've been raised around gay people my entire life. I used to be a big, uh, a, a, used to make very big donations to Lombada Legal. I am all for, for equal rights for the LGBT community, but... I have a very big problem with with it being normalized for children at the age of four as if though it was something that they can choose. Hear me out. Yeah. What I mean on this is that when you speak to most individuals in the LGBT community, they all agree. Were you born gay or were you made gay by society? And for the most part, everybody agrees I was born gay. Fantastic. So if you were born gay, what, what, what my thing is by putting a cartoon character that's now an openly LGBT character into a four year old or a five year old or a six year old cartoons or so on and so forth, even into a, a TV show with a 14 or, or hormonal 15 year old, what you're doing is that you're making it seem like it, the, the message that's being sent out is that this is an option that we have. Sex, our sexuality is optional. It's not based off how it is that you were born. It's based off just an option that you have. So if you've got a five, six-year-old at home, no different than he's going to want to be Batman one day and Spider-Man the next day because that's what kids do. They want to mimic what it is that they see in their cartoons. The same thing is going to happen when it comes to sexuality. They're going to think about it as an option, something that they can go out there and explore, which to me goes against what it is that the LGBT community says, which is like, oh, no, we're not made gay. We're born gay. All right. Well, if you're born gay, then let's also let's talk about sexuality. A lot of people don't look at sexuality from the psychological aspect. Right. You just mentioned uh, a little while ago talking about how the church says, you know, you shouldn't have sex before marriage and um, or, or, you know, that you should just practice abstinence altogether. To me, you know, there's there's certain aspects of uh, I think that the, that our sexuality as human beings is extremely important and that it develops at the same speed as we do mentally and as our body physically grows. So no different than we need food to grow our bodies, that we need, you know, faith to grow our minds, that we need to read books. I think that our sexuality also has to go through a period of development. And, you know, I, I have a theory that, you know, part of the reason why there's so many Catholic priests that are you know, the child molesters is because these are individuals that joined the priesthood when they're 17, 16 years old. They stunt their sexuality Mm. right when they're in the middle of developing it. Mm. You stunt their sexuality right at that point. And that's going to come up as some kind of psychological issue, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the line where you can relate like a regular grown up human being that's a sexualized individual. You're just, you're stunted. 
I have never even thought about it like that, but that's true also of like alcoholism. If you start drinking at a young age or, you, you know, certain, certain neurotransmitters just kind of stop making the connections. Uh, that's so interesting. I, I wonder, I mean, I've never really explored that thought before, but that is very interesting. And, and to talk, to talk just what you were saying earlier, as far as, um, you know, women's rights to choose and things like that. I think that too is one of those things where if we started, um, in a way where we were sharing with women, what the psychological damages um, or cycle, and I won't even call them damages, just the psychological the emotions yeah. that come from that, people would be able to make more educated choices. If we had more resources for them, they would be able to make right. more educated and, choices. And the problem is that it's not just a lack of resources, is that there's an overabundance of the glorification. Yeah. All, yep. and, and that's, that's the part that really gets to me. Right. And then when you start going down these rabbit holes and you realize that it's a business, that abortion is a business that companies profit from. So when you go into a Planned Parenthood as a scared 16 year old, because you're pregnant, Planned Parenthood is going to, without so many words, talk you into getting an abortion because they're going to be able to profit from your abortion. So there's no respect for life. There's no respect for the, the 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 trauma that that could potentially create for the individual. There's there, there there's a complete disregard to that because again, it's just dirtied up by by money and profit, and it, you know those are things that are going on on a regular basis. And and I think again, it's it's all designed to de- to, to to destroy us and to just turn us into consumer slaves of of one degree or another. You start, you know, I'm telling you, the youngest, the, most kids will watch porn for the first time when they're 12 years old. What does that do to sexual development? And, and circling back on women's empowerment, I was recently having a conversation with a mom who, you know, made made some, some comment to the effect of, um, well, the reason that I'm going back to work is because um, I need to contribute as much as my husband does, and he's not going to make more than me and just various different things like that. And I thought, how sad that a woman's worth is being judged in that way, not for the fact that here she is with this incredible gift of maternal and, mm-hmm. and granted, some people argue they aren't born with that. and That's fine. But I mean, at the end of the day, only a woman can deliver a baby. <laughs> And I mean, that's just how it is. We haven't, I know there are certain fish that, that warp into different species or, you know, different genders and do that, but humans don't. And, uh, and so like, what a gift to, to be able to do that and to take that role and to have that maternal role. And there's nothing wrong. There's something beautiful and valued about raising your child and about being a mom. And that can come in a lot of different ways too, right? Like, let's just take like a, you know, a, a female figure in the workplace, like even if you want to put her in the workplace, like there's still strengths that as 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 a woman, you're going to have that I feel like society tells us, no, be be hard, fight people, you know, yes. be a man, be it. You're, you're a woman in a man's world. You need to, you know, you need to put on your pants. I, I, I. Yeah, be a boss. I, 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 I climbed the corporate ladder in corporate America before I started my own business, and I, you know, I was in the boys, I was in the boys club, and I know what that's like, and I, and I know what it's like to have to, you know, go do the, the have to fit in and play that role in order to. I just feel like society is 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 has really desensitized us to think that we need to be equal to one another, while completely robbing us of of our in, of the the uniqueness that's in each of our genders, right? And I think that this is you. Know, another attack is the gender fluidity. I'm sorry, you lose me. You, you, you. The, the gender fluidity argument loses me the minute that you tell me that there's 98 genders and that amongst them you can just <laughs> randomly decide that you you identify as an alien species, asexual. Like, no, I'm. I, I can't take that seriously, and I would never. I would never teach my children that that's something that's okay. It, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I have no problem carrying the 50 pound bag of chicken food down in the chicken coop. And, and a lot of times I like the workout, but if my husband's home and he's right there, I love to have my husband take that bag of food to the chicken coop you know? <laughs> because he's stronger than me and it's easier for him. And that's just the truth of it. And it, it's so okay. it's, it's, it's interesting though, how, um, you know, these days it's that we're weaker because of that. And, and I, I disagree. I feel very strong in, in, in the ability to be able to 
enjoy having somebody do something that helps me out in that way. And also in finding, uh, you know, I like gender roles. Like I like having, you know, cleaning my home and, and, and having laundry ready for the man I'm with and, you know, and, and, and then cooking dinner. Like I, that, that might sound cheesy to some people, but taking care and being a nurturer, I like that. I like that part of being a feminine being. And I'm, I am a boss too. I, I, I worked in the, you know, I did corporate. I, I, I was the, the big, big head honcho. And then, you know, there's still where where you find your purpose, where you feel your most whole at, where, where where your happiness is at, is not. You know, I never found that in the office. I found fulfillment to some extent in my in my professional career, but you know, building a family, being at home, those are the things that are really valuable. Exactly, and and even for people who you know maybe don't have children per se or whatever. Um, you, you know, your new, your family, your nuclear family, isn't just your immediate that, you know, that can be helping grandma and whatever, your cousins or whatever. And I think what's sad is that we've disbanded so much of that, like, and you do see it in a lot of foreign countries still where the families of multi-generations live together. They cook big meals and eat, uh, in a spread on the table where they're all sharing from the same dishes and things like that. And, um, I think that's where a lot of our problems originated is when it became like this, you got to do it on your own, toughen up, buck up, you know, kind of thing. And then all of the technology that came about and the working 60 hours a week and just all of that. And so we stripped, we stripped away every chance for human connection that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I just, it goes back to where I just feel like there's a there's an attack on anything that they can flip over backwards, they're going to do it. And gender roles was a, a place to start. And it's just kind of like escalated. It's gotten that well, when I just look at third wave feminism, I tell everybody I hate pedophiles, communists and like third wave feminists. I just I, 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 I can't wrap my head around it because, again, it's just the attack on all things that are logical on all things that make sense. The fact that you've got you know, women that will get upset at a man for wanting to open, hold the door open for them. What kind of times are we living in where <laughs> we're going to discourage men from, you know, holding a door open or, you know, pushing you into the right side of the street or there, there's just, I, I, some people might call it old fashioned, but it really isn't. It's just about protecting the essence of what a, what a man is and what a woman is. And a man has to feel strong and powerful and a protector and a provider. And a woman needs to be the nurturer, the sensitive one, the one that can take care of the emotional side. And I, I, it, I just, I don't feel like we value that enough. There shouldn't be, uh, they, they, there shouldn't be weak, weak women because that's what they want out of life. There shouldn't be toxic males because that's, you know, they, they're, they're just following their instinctive nature. And, you know, we, we, we do ourselves a great disservice as a society when we when we allow those narratives to be spread when when we popularize I guess to some extent you know the women that are saying my career came first and you know I didn't need a I, I don't need a man and I don't need no it's like it's I, I get it you don't need a man and this I, I get the empowerment female whatever it is but the truth is that no yes you do we were made in this life to walk through life with a partner so you I was just going to say, I, I don't even know if it was you who shared it. I think it was, though, a video of uh, Trump and Melania walking to Air Force oh. One, and she's in her heels, and she trips in the grass, and he's just right there in that, I mean, just that instant, I got you, you know. Perfectly and- there to catch her. And what do you think happens when he's had a long day, and he's clocking out of the office at one o'clock in the morning, and he's coming into bed? She's probably there to rub his shoulders, yeah. ask him how his day went, and empower him and get him ready for his next day. And that's how we feed off of each other, right? And um, I, I, I don't feel, I, I think that that, that and which is, goes back to what we first started talking about, which is that sacred energy is there. That's what we exchange, um, you know, during intercourse course it's that sacred energy of just the 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 feminine the femininity and the masculinity coming together and and protecting one another in in our essence which it's instead of vilifying us or each other which is what society has kind of turned us into doing it's just divide us into as many groups as possible and turn us on each other and what more i guess basic way of separating us and turning us against each other by male male and female I mean, shoot, the fact that we've got feminists, like you said, you know, the future is female. We've got actual movements of women that are out there saying that if you get pregnant and you are if, if you are pregnant with a son, that you should abort your son because the future should be female. 
and you don't want to see that? the patriarchy. I mean, like, think about that for five seconds. How long is that really going to work out for you? That, that's, <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. It's you gotta like, be kidding me. Which is the same argument I make for the LGBT community. It's like I get the inclusivity, but we're not going to act like we're all the same. You can't have gay babies without straight people. So we can't just normalize that everybody should be gay because then we're just that's that's just not how it works. Well, so, and it really even discredits then the. Uh, to me, I would think it would discredit the people who wholeheartedly do feel like they've been born with it and do need some special accommodations in certain areas of their life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It just muddies it. it, just muddies the whole thing. If, if I can say one thing for 2020, it has been a revolutionary year. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely a full-blown spiritual war. And by that, I mean, it's you against every narrative that you individually have ever had. And it's a beautiful thing. I really feel like we are on the precipice of something incredible, but it's going to take a lot of people having courage like you do in the truther movement to, to keep showing up. And so I can't say enough. Thank you for, for being you and for showing up in the way you do. It's truly amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm just really excited that I get to like, uh, make a change and that people are really responsive to it. And it's like, I feel like, all right, like there's, there's definitely a purpose to it. I've always said, as long as I keep on getting messages from people telling me that, you know, I've, I've woken them up, that I've brought them either closer to God or closer to the truth or whatever it may be, I'm going to keep posting. I feel like it's a, it's a calling. It's outside of me. And I agree with you. Uh, one of the most important things that we can do right now is as many people as possible need to get involved. You don't need to have a large following to have a voice. You can start by red pilling your grandma or, you know, friends <laughs> when you're out to lunch or whatever it may be, just planting those seeds. Because the only way we get out of this, the only way that we we raise to this next level that we're walking into is collectively. And mm -hmm. we've, we've got to be able to lift each other's up. We, we, we got to be able to lift each other up. Ah, I just love this episode so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out and uh, such a great conversation. And I'm sure that listeners are going to blow me up with lots more questions. So I'm sure this will not be the last time that we that we'll chat. Um, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. No, thank you so much for having me. I'd be happy to come on anytime. It was a great time. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.